all of you for this week. And so it is the Thanksgiving weekend, and one of these respectable sins class relates to Thanksgiving. And so uh, we want to talk about that this morning. With it being upon us this week, it is appropriate to think about, and if you don't have a handout, would you raise your hand, please? Keith will get you one of those. Um, It is appropriate to think about this respectable sin. And what is it? It is this yucky sin of the respectable sin of ingratitude. Ingratitude, where we're, we're not as thankful maybe as we could be. Now, that's not a heinous, heinous, wicked sin. It's not the sin of commission. We're not committing something wicked. It's the sin of omission. We're leaving something out. We're leaving praise or thanksgiving to God for all that He's done for us. We sort of leave that on the sidelines. That could be one of those respectable sins. Keith, did you hit the double button? I did. Okay, thank you. Uh, by the way, um, I'll say that real quick, that um, I mentioned to you in an email, we're starting to record these. So if you're not here for a week, I'll put them out in an email. This week we had a little bit of, of technical difficulty with the security certificate of our website. So Matt was working on that, but we're going to be putting that out to you. And if you need the handouts, if you're not here, let me know. I can send those to you. But if you miss a class, we want you to come to class, okay, first of all. But if you miss, we'll send you that, okay? So just uh, let me know. Or you'll, you'll see it on the, on the email. So, so back to this class this morning. It is now 9.35. We are late. We probably won't get through the, the lesson this morning. But it's okay because it's important we talk about this this morning. Having a thankful heart. So it's 9.25 this morning. Let me ask you this. Did, did you give God thanks this morning for something? Think about it. It's, uh, we've been up for maybe, what, two, three hours? If you get up at six o'clock, it's three and a half hours. If you get up at seven o'clock, two and a half, whatever. It's Thanksgiving week. It prompts us, reminds us, did you thank the Lord for anything in your life this morning yet? And I want us to think about that because I want to challenge us that every morning we get up, the Bible says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is God's will that we give Him thanks. And we don't want to be like some of the ones in Scripture we're going to talk about this morning that fail to give thanks, that fail to recognize God's goodness in our life. And so this morning, briefly, popcorn testimonies. I gotta, I gotta, we got to do this on Thanksgiving week, right? Tell me something that you're thankful to God for this morning. Yes, ma'am. Happy to get up this morning. Praise the Lord. You woke up and you had your consciousness with you, right? Good. Not so sure about your hubby, but you had your consciousness with you, right? Good. <laughs> yes, Jeff. Roughly the same thing, but safety through the night. Safety through the night. You got to sleep in a comfortable bed, I trust, right? Yes, ma'am. I was sick all day yesterday, and as soon as I opened my eyes this morning, I'm like, Lord, thank you so much for not being sick. Yes. Thank the Lord for our health. We could go on all day long about that. We've taken prayer requests this morning for people in our own class who are going through health issues. Praise the Lord for our health, Carolyn. Welcome. Nice to have you, Steve. Welcome. Glad to have you in class this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, in the back. Let's go Carol first. The song that uh, the choir sings, uh, Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Yes. And I don't know the title, but thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for our salvation. Dave? Did, did you hear that? Because he has a health issue, he's thankful that that health issue allows him 
to be a witness at the dialysis place. Thank you for that, Dave. Thank you for your testimony that way. Thank you for using your illness to glorify God. That speaks to all of our hearts. Praise the Lord. Jack? Um, it's probably everybody in here. We're thankful for our spouse. I was just mm-hmm. going through the grocery store yesterday real quick and said, i got to get a card. Mm-hmm. And uh, felt good. And I, I would not be here today if it wasn't for my wife and bringing us back to the Lord uh, about five and a half years ago. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Tell us when he sends you the card, okay? I know he got you one. Let us know when he sends it, okay? Good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Good. There you go, guys. He upped the bar on us. We need to get a thank you card to our wives, right? Yes, John? He comes along and just straightens out when we mess up, right? Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Tim? Uh, lately, I've had between some people at work and family members, a lot of turmoil in families when they're raising their children. And I'm just so thankful. Debbie and I were talking last night, we often do. But um, until this point, anyway, I believe it's just been um, growing in the Lord. Mm. They have a heart for God. Amen. And, Amen. Uh, everything that we try to plant in them taking root. When you see families that are struggling and, and children that are walking away, it's just a real blessing. Praise the Lord. Our children that they walk, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth, right? Third John. Praise the Lord for that. Yes. Yes, sir. Jason. Um, I'm always thankful just no matter what trial we go through to have a church like this and pastors like you guys just that feeling of no matter what happens, you can always call or talk to someone and it just, you guys make it Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. He is, uh, he's assembled a wonderful, a wonderful church family here, hasn't he? That we can enjoy one another and trust that you do, that you have fellowship. One more. Anybody else uh, over on this side? Do I need to see any hands going up? No one's thankful in this section? Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, sir. Our visitor. Our visitor is thankful today. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about saying this before Carolyn said something, but I'm so grateful the Lord for providing um, such a great match and um, just such a great Christian, um, strong faith young lady as Miranda for my son. Amen. 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 That's beautiful. As a counseling pastor here who does premarital counseling, that thrills my soul. That, uh, that is good stuff. All right. Uh, let's keep going. Um, we are on the sin of respectable sins or, or the uh, lesson on respectable sin of ingratitude. So, so folks, saying thank you is not a difficult thing to do unless we're unthankful, then it might be difficult. So saying thank you in your notes there, let me just run through these quickly. It is a sign of gratitude. When you say thanks, you're grateful. If you have a grateful heart to the Lord, at least say amen this morning, right? Amen. 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 We should be grateful for so much. It's an expression of appreciation. It's being courteous. Just to say thank you is a courteous thing. It's, It's something that we should do out of courteousness, kindness. It's the prompting in your conscience to acknowledge acceptance of a kindness given to us from somebody else. And it's, it's in your conscience, I need to say thanks for that. 
I, I, need, to, I need to say, wow, that was a blessing to me. And, and we want to be a church family that does that for one another and does that to the Lord. Let's have thankful hearts. Um, it's just plain good manners, right? We teach our kids when they're young. Now, say thank you for that, Johnny. Johnny, say thank you. Marissa, say thank you. And we teach them that, and, and well, we should. It's good manners. And then finally, it's simply being obedient to God, right? We, I mentioned it this morning. This is the will of God, that you give thanks. Thank the Lord in all things. And so it is His will. Now, would you agree with this statement, class? One of the greatest ways of displaying our true salvation is by having a grateful heart. What do you think about that? True statement? Now, let's look at the inverse side of that statement then. One of the greatest failures in displaying our true Christianity is by having an ungrateful heart. Do you agree with that statement? Like, if we, are, if we think about heaven and our salvation and what God has saved us from, eternal torment and hell, and we get to go to heaven and be with Him forever and ever and ever, Oh, my word. That's overwhelming. Let that process just think into your mind. We're, we're not going to suffer <coughs> separation from God forever. Rather, we get to go to heaven and be in His presence and have glory unspeakable. We, we can't even imagine it. Paul said, I came back from the third heaven and can't even utter. It's not even lawful for me to utter the things that I saw up in heaven because it's going to be so wonderful. It's beyond my ability to even get the words out to explain what it's going to be. That's so, so wonderful. And so therefore, if we appreciate our salvation, we should have thankful hearts. Thankful hearts. And so that's sort of the, the reminder for us this morning. And then this statement, to be unthankful is to be unholy. Now there's a connection there you might not have thought about. To be unthankful is to be unholy. But let me read some verses for you in Scripture. The Apostle Paul gave one of the marks of an evil and perverse and corrupt and reprobate generation through the sin of unthankfulness or ingratitude. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now later on, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, one of the last book that he wrote before he went to heaven, he talks about this. He says, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. In Romans 1, we have the wicked who were unthankful in their imaginations. They couldn't comprehend, they couldn't conceive, they couldn't give praise and thanks to God. Paul fast forwards and says, you know, in the last time, that's exactly what it's going to be. People are going to be unthankful. They're not going to have the ability to stop and say, well, where did all this come from? What about my blessings? And, and the sign of the times is an unthankfulness, which is an unholiness. It's a lack of reverence, respect, honor, thought, appreciation to God for all that He's done. So if we don't think about God much, we're certainly not going to give Him thank much. So an unthankful people is an unholy people. Can you see the connection? 
Yeah. And so we here don't want to be that at all, do we? We want to be holy, thankful people for all that God has given to us. And, and we could go on and on about that. The New Testament on thankfulness. Again, I'm rushing through here a little bit because I want to get to our, our, our um, passage this morning. But the New Testament on thankfulness. Let's, let, me, let me just give you a few of these. Number one, we are always to give thanks to God. Always to give thanks to God. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians 5.20. What's that speak to, class? Well, it indicates the frequency of our thanksgiving. It's to be always. Number two, the Bible says, whatever you do or say on earth should be done for Jesus Christ with a thankful heart. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father. What does that speak to? Everything that we do in word or deed is supposed to be with thanks, so that represents the scope of our thankfulness. Everything, word and deed, should be thanksgiving to God. And we can't miss that, right? Next, we are called as Christians to be thankful. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the wish also you are called in one body and be thankful. There's a command there, but it's a calling. And when we're called to be thankful, it's not just an option as a Christian. It's our calling. It should be a natural byproduct of what's in our heart. When we know Jesus Christ, there should be a natural thankfulness to God for who He is and what He's done for us. What does that speak to? That represents our responsibility for giving thanks. We're called to this. We have a responsibility to give thanks. It's really not optional, according to Scripture then. And then next, it is the will of God to give thanks. And I think I quoted that at least two or three times already this morning from 1 Thessalonians. There it is. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So if it's God's will to do that, this reveals why we are to give thanks to God. It's because it's His will. He wants us to give Him thanks. And then finally, our thanks should be a continual sacrifice of our lips to God. Hebrews 13, 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Let's all say that together. Ready? Continually. Man, that's, that is awesome. And we can't miss that. Underline that in your Bible when you get to Hebrews 13. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What is that, class? That is, he says it, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. So it's not one isolated passage in, in the New Testament where God says, give thanks. Oh, oh, don't forget to have a thankful heart. No, it's replete throughout from the, from the Gospels right on through to Paul's writings. And you get to... To the revelation, they're just bowing down, praising God. Thank you, God. Holy, holy, holy. It's throughout the New Testament where God wants His people to praise Him and to thank Him for what He has done. And so this week just kind of gives us a prompting to remind us, hey, don't forget to thank God. See, because if we don't have a thankful heart, that's one of those respectable sins. Ingratitude is a reflection of our own selfishness. Because we can't come out of ourselves to thank someone, to thank God for the blessings that they were to us. But when we have that thankful heart, it makes, it makes a difference. And people see, wow, that person, they must have a close relationship with the Lord because they talk about God a lot or they thank God a lot. And, and they just seem to have this effervescent spirit that says, man, I am thankful for all that God has done. And so it's, it's 
so important for us to, to keep that in mind. As we get to our passage this morning that I asked you to turn to in Luke chapter 17, um, the background here is that Jesus has just passed through the town of, or, or the area, the region of Samaria. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and while he's on his journey, he passes through a small village. And it caught the attention, he caught the attention of the, the ten lepers. Now remember, Samaria, the area he's passing through, that is like the armpit of Israel. Because there were half-breeds there. The Jews didn't love the Samaritans or like the Samaritans at all. They were like enemy number one because they were half-breeds. And so they had no dealings, no interaction at all. It was taboo for a Jewish person to have any dealings or even talk to a Samaritan. So when they passed through Samaria, they were basically supposed to have tunnel vision, get through the land up to where they were going in Galilee, and not interact with the Samaritans at all. They were ungodly people to the Jews. So here comes Jesus. He's passing through that, if you will, God-forsaken place, so to speak. Genesis, or excuse me, Luke chapter 17. Look at verse 11 with me, if you would, please. Luke 17, 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give God Give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Folks, when you think about these Samaritans, there's ten of them, they had some tremendous needs. Why would Jesus even allow this situation to occur? Think of it. He's the God of, of, of all living. And yet he's passing through Samaria, which he didn't have to do, and he sees, he passes by where these Samaritans are, uh, and not just Samaritans, but the lepers. Let me say it that way, where the lepers were. Now that's a whole other breed of people inside Samaria. You've got, you've got lepers that were total outcasts. Why would he do this? Because they had a great need. And so what was that need? Number one, they had a need... It was a cure. They, had, they needed a cure. You know, in Jesus' day, by the way, class, you know this, leprosy was a dreaded disease. It's a skin condition that attacks the nerves so that the victim cannot feel pain. Okay, so here are these, you, can you imagine? Here's Jesus passing through the land just to give you a picture of, of something that this could have looked like. And there they are, ten lepers. They're outside the community. They're by themselves. They're isolated because they're not allowed to interact with public society because it was so contagious and there was no cure for it. So they had to remain outside the city gates and the walls, sort of out there in the, in the open. And Jesus is coming by. They know who Jesus is. But there they are. And they had a great need. What was the need? They needed to be healed. Why? Because leprosy 
is nasty. And I'm not going to leave these up here for long. I get in trouble with showing these gross pictures. And I'm not going to leave them there too. So the first thing is it, uh, they can't feel pain because it attacks the skin. Second, infection sets in, which leads to deterioration of the tissue. And in turn, over time, can lead to a deforming of the limbs. And then some more serious forms of leprosy form large lumps and bumps under the skin, which is really gross. And I'll show you this quickly. But you just need to see this is what Jesus would have been seeing. By the way, in America, leprosy is largely gone because of antibiotics. We don't suffer from that anymore, but not in Jesus' day. And so it's just the bumps and the lumps, that's a form of leprosy. And so these, these lepers, they needed, a, they needed help. They needed a cure. Second, they needed comfort. Not only was leprosy a debilitating physical disease, it also had painful social effects. Painful social effects they needed, they needed comfort from the Lord. See, victims, in your notes there, victims were isolated outside the city walls and could not return to society until they were declared cleansed by the priest. And that's why it says there in verse 12, And he entered into a certain village. There met him ten, lepers that were, that, ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They weren't allowed to approach people. They weren't allowed to interact with anybody else. They had to stand way, way, way far away. So can you imagine the isolation, not being able to hug your loved one anymore, not be allowed, being allowed to have your kids come up and, and, and show affection or your spouse to show affection in any way. They couldn't be touched. They couldn't be interacted with. They were isolated. And so they needed comfort. By Old Testament law, a person cleansed of leprosy had to present himself to the priest, be thoroughly examined, and followed up this procedure with long, involved, and costly sacrificial, or fat, sacrificial ritual, according to Leviticus chapter 14. And so it was a, a terrible disease physically, but it was also a terrible disease socially because they were outcasts and they were marked. And they could have no physical interaction. The next thing there in your notes, leprosy carried a stigma that caused society to see its victims as outcasts and taboo and healthy people. Isaiah uses the symptoms of leprosy, by the way, as an illustration of sin in Isaiah chapter 1. And it was considered a judgment from God, leprosy was. So all Jews knew of its negative stigmatism. Lepers had to keep their distance. They could have no physical contact. If anybody came too close, they were to shout out, Unclean! Unclean! And of course, then people would hear that and they'd just go the other way and stay far, far away from them because it was just, it was just an embarrassing thing to have to shout that because, No, you can't get near me! And they were required to do that. Quickly, Jeff. Okay, we'll keep going. It was a humiliating requirement, to be sure. They had to have their garment rent and their head shaven as a sign of grief and lamentation. So class, to become leprous was to be rejected. It was to be isolated from society and, and it constituted a very lonely life. And so Jesus, they needed compassion from Jesus. They needed a cure, but who could cure leprosy? No one could cure leprosy. They had a life that they were just like they were convinced, there's no hope for me. 
And so to be leprous was to be rejected, isolated, constituted a lonely life, and they needed a cure and they needed comfort. But they also needed, there in your notes, they needed compassion, mercy, and power from Jesus. It wasn't material needs that was their most important. Oh, I need this new donkey. I want this new house. I want the... That wasn't what they were needing. That wasn't their greatest need. In fact, when our health goes, that's basically what we're, what we're most concerned about. I would just like to be healthy again. And we forget the material things. Let's not forget that, class, because we're all sitting here, I think, generally healthy. Praise God for your health. Amen? Amen. Yes. And so other things sort of get down on the list when we, when we don't feel good. So it wasn't material needs. To the lepers, this was absolutely meaningless. Having money, to do what with it? They couldn't buy healing. To buy all the stuff in the world that they could use would be really meaningless because they really couldn't use it. They're outcast out in the field somewhere. It wasn't social status. The lepers were not asking to be placed back in Jewish community. What they needed back then is what we need today, and it is the mercy and the grace, the compassion, the kindness of Jesus Christ. For, for, for forgiveness of sin, for cleansing from the things that we do wrong. But the lepers not only needed that cleansing of the disease of leprosy because of their sinful condition and the sin-cursed body that we live in in this world, but they would also need healing from their respectable sin of ingratitude. Believe it or not, class, I'm painting this picture for you to see that man, if anyone should ever have thanked the Lord for anything, you'd think it'd be these lepers. Because they're isolated, they're ill, they're, they're sad, they're lonely, they're, they're, they're miserable. And to be healed and to not come back and say, thank you. How could that be? It's like unconscionable, isn't it? To think that they could have that such great blessing added to their life and then not even come back to say, Lord, thank you so much. I have baby skin. I'm sure the Lord didn't just heal and make their skin like just maybe back to normal. I think when when Jesus Christ heals, like when He turned the water into wine, He made it the best wine that there was. It was the best, tastiest, like the beginning of the wedding. And when Jesus, He does all things well, the Bible says. And when He did all things well, He made their skin like infant skin, I believe. Pure and clean. And when they saw that, they should have said, Oh, oh look at this. I can, and get all excited. But folks, they didn't. Nine of them. Nine of them didn't even think to do that. And so that's, a, that's an issue. Notice they sought him out. They must have heard about him. Verse 12, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him. They met him that were lepers. They noticed him. They sought him out. They cried out to him in a loud voice, Master, have mercy on us. These men were desperate class. They must have heard of Jesus' fame. In fact, did you know that back in Luke chapter 5 earlier, the Bible says that um, Jesus healed another leper back then, and it says his fame as a result of that healing was spread abroad. So these lepers up in Samaria must have heard that. They got the word, there's a healer of leprosy, and here he comes walking by them. 
Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, Master. A teacher, have mercy on us. In other words, they thought he might be able to do something for them. And so they heard of his fame. and Everyone in the region knew of Jesus and his power by now. They understood that Jesus had exactly what they needed. And they weren't afraid to ask. Jesus had what they needed. And class, today it's no different for us. Does Jesus have what we need today? Absolutely he does. Let's not take his blessings for granted. We, he daily loads us with benefits. We get his mercy every day. We get his grace every day. We get his kindness. We get his forgiveness. We get our provision, our comfort in trials, his unconditional love he gives us every day. Jesus responded to their request for mercy. Uh, what's telling to me is what he didn't do. Let me just share this. He didn't lecture them. You wicked people, what have you done? I know what you've done, why you have leprosy. He did not lecture them. He didn't ignore or avoid them. Pass on by without even listening. He did not do that. Despite the pressure for his disciples and others who were Jews to say, you can't talk to them. There's, some of those are Samaritans there. At least one is. And they have leprosy. They're outcasts. Don't deal with them. And there was pressure for Jesus not to even address them. They were suffering from these devastating effects of sin. And Jesus was righteous and holy and he's, he had compassion. But why should he corrupt himself? They were poor, dirty leprous. They could do nothing for Jesus. So he didn't do any of that. But what he did do, he required them to exercise their faith. Notice verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. That's all he said. Go show yourself unto the priests. He did not heal them first class and then tell them to go. He commanded them to go first. You know why that would be, right? He wanted them to exercise their faith. Do they believe in me? Well, why should I go to the priest, Jesus, if I'm like this? He's not going to declare me clean because I'm still full of leprosy. Why should I even go? What are you telling me to do that? Why not just heal me right now? Because he was watching what their faith would be. And so he says, go show yourself to the priest. Like this? We only go to the priest when we're clean. And then they, they declare that we are clean. But Jesus said, no, you go. And look what it says. Go show yourself unto the priests, verse 14. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. In your notes there, the lepers exercised their faith. They were obedient to Christ's commands, to His one command. Unlike Naaman the Syrian, way back in 2 Kings chapter 5, he grumbled and complained about dipping in the, in the waters of the Jordan. Don't we have much better waters up here in Syria? I don't want to dip my water here or dip in this water here in Jerusalem. That's dirty water. Or in, in Israel, in the Jordan. And so he didn't want to do it. But these, these guys, they turned and they went. They had enough sense to follow Jesus' command. He said, go, and they listened. Now, as they went, we can't miss that class, as they went, they were cleansed. When you read these stories, can you just stop and put yourself there? They're, they're limping along at best, you know, maybe having some of their toes missing or whatever. Their skin is aching or, or they're just... 
and they're, they're hobbling along, and all of a sudden while they're going, <laughs> their body's being transformed. Think about that. Fingers could grow back. Skin could be pure. The bumps, the boils could begin to go away, and they're looking at each other like, what? You, and they're starting to stand upright, and they're able to walk normally, and they're going, and they, I'm, I'm being here. What, what, what's going on? You look great. What? Can you literally think about them interacting with one another, seeing it happen right before their eyes while they're going? They're cleansed. And they see their whole body literally, <laughs> literally transformed before them. That is, that is so awesome. Just because Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they become completely whole. The bumps were vanishing before their eyes. I believe their skin, like I said, was like a newborn baby. They had to be ecstatic with joy. They had to be a fork. I'm sure they were jumping up and down. Yay! Can you believe it? They were like giddy schoolboys winning the championship game. Yes, yes! On steroids. Right? <laughs> Can you relate to their excitement? Think about it. It's unbelievable. Yes, ma'am. You would think that even the one that said he was thankful, that it would have brought some more of the same. Yeah, yeah, that's what, exactly. And we're, we're getting to that very thing. Imagine getting a call from the oncologist and he says, all clear, your cancer's gone. It's gone. Your cardiologist says the blockages have disappeared. We don't know what happened. There's no sign of any damage to the heart muscle. Your heart is like a 20-year-old. Your child's pediatrician says the tumor we saw on your child's MRI last month is totally disappeared. He's as healthy as a horse. Folks, if there was ever a time for them to stop and say, look what Jesus, let, let's go back and thank him, it would have been then. It would have been now. And they would have been interacting with one another, thinking, hey, you look great, you're healed. Let's go thank the Lord. Let's go thank our master. They didn't, they didn't get to that spot. Here's the application. What great things has Jesus done for you and, and you just missed it? Either you didn't give him proper credit or you just failed to appreciate his goodness, grace, or mercy in your life for something. Class, this is just a reminder not to let that happen. Though we might not go through the dramatic healing of a dread disease like these lepers, yet God bestows his goodness. He daily loads us with benefits. He gives us his goodness every day. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, James says, right? And so we need to think about that. Sometimes, class, if we're not mistaken, and this is just for our reminder, we can blow through God's blessings like there's no tomorrow. Is that true? We can just blow through them like there's no tomorrow. We become consumer Christians. We just take it in and take it in and take it in and get His blessing, His blessing, His blessing. And we miss reverently and humbly saying, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. Don't, don't miss it. Let's not be consumer Christians we want more and more, gorging ourselves with His mighty works in our lives. But we can sometimes fail to adequately acknowledge Him. And so, don't be ungrateful for anything. This week, it is Thanksgiving week. If you have to, take out a list. 
begin to make a list and think about, wow, what do I have in my life I got from God? Well, first of all, it's everything. But begin to acknowledge, what, what am I thankful for? What has He done? Don't be self-sufficient thinking that we meet our own needs or that we are self-sufficient. So I ask us this morning, have we gotten over our salvation? Does it no longer excite you or motivate you to, to live for Him like we once did? Don't let that happen. Do we forget the fact that Jesus holds back evil from us and He protects us from the forces, the wiles of the devil and His evil hosts? We can't even see in the heavenlies what's going on, but He holds back that. In Colossians, we learn by, in Him we live and move, well, by all things, all things consist are held together by Jesus Christ. And so He keeps our hearts beating, our lungs drawing breath, and He sustains life and our brain functions. Some of us better than others, right? Or worse than others. But He lets us perform our daily task. How could we ever adequately say thank you or express gratefulness to someone who has saved our life? These, these lepers... They, they should have been running back the first thing and bowing at Jesus' face saying, Thank you, thank you, you've changed my life. I can go back to work. I can hug my family. I can... And all those things. But the lepers, they displayed ingratitude. Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. They were all together. Surely they must have heard each other yelling and praising, Thank you, this is wonderful. Look at you. They must have seen the one leper turn back to go back to Jesus. Surely they had to hear him praising God. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. The other lepers had to hear him, a loud voice, thank you God, thank you God, thank you. And they're just in a loud voice praising the Lord. Surely they heard that. They saw the one leper drop to his feet. They looked back and saw him doing that on his perfect healed knee, dropped to his one knee, and in his perfect face, dropped his perfect face down to Jesus' feet, saying, thank you, God. Thank you. They must have heard him saying thank you over and over again. Surely that would change the nine others' hearts. Surely it would. Unfortunately, we know that it didn't. And that one, that one leper that came back, he was a Samaritan, which is all the more shocking because Jews and Samaritans didn't deal with each other. Jesus healed a Samaritan. What's the life lesson here, class? Being thankful may not change your circumstances, but it will change you. It's our attitude. It's our attitude that we need to see changed. Look what it says there. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? It's notable what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't rail on the, the nine who didn't. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. That's it. That's where he left it. Jesus' reaction to the event is this, and we've got to run here. Letter A, he accepted the gratitude and glory from the leper. He did. He let him bow down and worship him. Letter B, he asked about the other nine. Where are the other nine? Where, weren't there nine? They're over there in the field walking away. Where are they going? 
Thank you for coming to me. But folks, can we be saved and not have a thankful heart? Yes, we can. And it happens every day, doesn't it? We can be saved and drink in the goodness of God, but we're not as thankful as maybe we could be. He doesn't base His grace on our manners or our performance or good deeds, but our gratitude may reveal something about our closeness and tenderness to His love. If we love much, we're going to be thankful much. And so let's make sure this Thanksgiving season and all the time that we have a great big thanker in our spirit to let God have glory for all that He's done for us. Jesus didn't grumble for being unappreciated by the nine. He simply acknowledged the Samaritan leper's faith. Here's our spiritual growth assignment class. Remember this. Hebrews 13.5, I quoted it earlier, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. How? How do we do that class? Through a changed life and a heart of gratitude. Can we do it? This Thanksgiving, let's make it. A thankful Thanksgiving. Jeff, quick. It was, in my mind, extremely interesting to think about the testimony of a Samaritan woman to where these men that were in Samaria potentially only heard and never saw Jesus. Yep. And, you know, cry out unclean, yet Christ came to them. He did. That's, that's love untold. It is love untold. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful privilege. Help us to be thankful for you all day long, every day, and not grow weary of giving you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, class. Yes, just come up here. Just come up here and talk to me.